Oh yeah, I guess we can't. Um, you can't do it this episode. It spoils the whole thing. You don't want to spoil it. That's right. That's right. Shit. All right. Well, so next one. It's a we're good. We're good. Welcome to Joe Picks an NFL Team. In this podcast, Joe, abandoned by his San Diego Chargers, is evaluating all 32 NFL teams to find out who he should root for next season. This week, we're going to the Big Easy to check in on the New Orleans Saints. For any first-time listeners out there, by the end of this week's podcast, the Saints will either party their way into the Sweet 16, or they will show us what they got and still get no beads. Joe, how are you feeling? <laughs> great intro, Dan. I'm feeling great. It's good to be back. Good to be be robless on this podcast. Back to just me and you, the way you should be, Dan. Yeah, well, we'll get Feels into good. that later. I don't know if it's the way it should be, Joe. Well, you know, I'll just say it now. Our our episode last week is only a few downloads away from being our most listened to ever. And the one that has the record right now is the one where Tony was on. So maybe by not having guests, wow. we're killing ourselves. Like We're it, really hurting ourselves, yeah. But I guess, you know what, Joe? That's This podcast isn't for the other people. It's just for us. That's right, Dan. That's right. Screw everyone else. Yeah. Yeah. So, Joe, what are we drinking? Well, in honor of the New Orleans Saints, we are drinking the Hurricane Cocktail. So, first, uh, for those of you who want to drink at home while you're listening, a Hurricane is two ounces of white rum, two ounces of dark rum, one ounce of, of lime juice, one ounce of orange juice, two ounces of passion fruit juice, and then half an ounce of simple syrup and half an ounce of grenadine. You shake it all up, serve it over ice, and there you go. You get you have a hurricane cocktail. Did you find passion fruit juice? Sort of. I found um, a generic fruit juice that had a picture of what I think is a passion fruit <laughs> on the outside. So it's fruit juice. Because I went with pomegranate juice because I could not find passion fruit. Yeah. It started with the same letter. As long as I am accurately in my mind picturing what a passion fruit looks like, then yes. But um, that might be incorrect. Passion fruit's kind of shaped like a star, right? I, I honestly have no idea. Well, well, let me tell you about this drink. Because um, this is, is another drink that we've talked about where we actually know who invented it. There's a person. Wow. So the creation of this passion fruit colored relative of the daiquiri is credited to New Orleans tavern owner, Pat O'Brien. And in fact, they still sell, by the way. <laughs> One of the recipes I found said rum and Pat O'Brien hurricane mix was the two recipes, uh, though I couldn't find that. Okay. So, uh, so he owned this club and in the 1940s, he was trying to get rid of his less popular rum because whiskey and scotch were the drinks of the era. He had all this rum. So he poured a bunch of stuff into a hurricane lamp shaped glass. Dan, do you have a hurricane glass? What did you find? What did you pour? I don't. I'm drinking mine from a beer glass. But I would like to note, I have had a hurricane in whatever the hurricane bar is before so i know what it looks like so he made this drink to get rid of his rum started serving it to the sailors who were coming to visit new orleans and it became so popular that it's become a mainstay of the french quarter ever since so there you go yeah it was quite the mainstay it was the the hurricane and the hand grenade that was the the two drinks you had to have i'll tell you i feel a kinship with pat o'brien because I am actually, in drinking this drink, getting rid of unwanted rum that I had in my liquor cabinet because I never drink rum. I had this old bottle that was like a huge bottle and I just got rid of it. I'm super happy about it. Oh, there you go. You might, if you got rid of the whole bottle, maybe you mix it a little stronger, but whatever. <laughs> I, I admit, in my mix, I 
was heavier on the alcohol and less on the sugar. I gave it a first drink and it, it did not feel strong enough. So I added a little bit of rum at the end. Yeah. yeah. You have to. Yeah. I mean, for us. I mean, I've had the, the, the normal product. It's way, way too sweet. There are all the drinks in New Orleans are just way, way too sweet. They're, they're still strong, though. They're just you can't taste it because it's so sweet. And that's what gives you the hangover, all the sugar. Yeah. They want you on that sugar rush. Yeah. But let's move right along. We've got oh so much to cover, Joe. But we start with our new segment, the results of the fan poll. I'm so excited for the results of this poll. So the fan poll question for last week was, is Rob a dick? And, and Dan, you should be clear. This is just a super fan poll in our secret super fan section. That's true. It is just in the super fan lounge. And well, there's actually a good email about that. But I think that's it. You know, we've we've revealed it in the last two episodes. I shouldn't even if, say that. I shouldn't even say that. If you that. want to be a super fan, go back and listen to the catalog yeah, and you can be done. a super fan the, too. The book on that is closed. Unless you want to give them one more chance, Joe. <sighs> All right. Look, one more chance. This, this is, is it. it. Last chance. No more chances after this. Okay. This is it. JoePicksPod.com slash secret lounge, but only for VIP fans. You can only go there if you happen to have listened to an episode prior to the last two episodes. And then you're now listening to this one. I mean, there are spoilers there. So really, we're doing you a favor by telling you not to go there. Yeah, don't go there. But if you are a super fan, do go there and vote on the fan poll, which many of you did. We broke all voting records this week for Is Rob a Dick? The final results, 62% say yes, 29% say no, and 10% say not enough information. And yes, those numbers don't add up to 100%. So I don't know what janky ass whole <laughs> software I'm using. But yeah, so the majority say yes, but there is a sizable contingent. And I was sort of watching this as it was going on. It started off like all yes. And then there was definitely a wave of no's towards the end there. So 30% say no, 10% undecided, essentially. Look, I'll take it. A huge majority agree with me that rob's a dick i'll take it i'll take it yeah overwhelming majority it I is feel like it's, it's a victory it's a safe district that's a blue district now do you have any question any poll question in mind right right off the bat or are you you want to no 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 let's uh see what comes up as the episode progresses see what happens okay so jumping right into the mailbag and my god people this week it's not only the amount of mail but <laughs> the length of the mail it's i can't even get started if you if you just want to get to the part about the Saints, just skip forward forty minutes in the podcast or something because this is going to take a long time. We've this got is what from, we want, though. We want we've the got mail. it from every dimension. But to start, I have not revealed this to you at all, Joe. I have I have kept this secret for so many days from what you. What is it? What we have a jingle has been sent in. Are you serious? I'm not kidding. A jingle has been sent in. I've listened to this jingle like. 50 times. Dan. Because. I I could not be more excited. I know. I know. I haven't told you. I haven't spoiled it. I haven't said anything. How could you you have kept this from me? I know. Oh, my God. And I've been sitting on it for like five days. Now, today, moving from a podcast that is like us talking to a podcast where it's us talking, but I can seamlessly blend audio into it was a challenge that I have spent (laughs) hours and hours working on today. So before I play the jingle, Joe, I'm going to play some test clips, and I'm going to make sure that A, they're getting recorded, B, you can hear them, and C, I can hear them. And then if all of those things check off, 
then we will go into the jingle and I will play it for you. I don't use the word hero very often, but you are the greatest hero in American history. Woohoo! Okay, I heard that. The great late Phil Hartman. Yeah. In character as Troy McClure. That's right. Or, 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 or no, is that no, Lionel? No. That's that Lionel, Lionel Hutz. Okay. Lionel okay. Hutz. <laughs> and then this baby. Oh, my God. The 59th Street Bridge. <laughs> Maybe it just collapsed on its own. <laughs> Such a great episode. <laughs> Joe, I've made, I have a, a soundboard. Now, it's not, it's not completed, but the fact that you're listening to it, I can hear it, and it's being recorded. This is amazing. It's a whole new ballgame. All right, Joe, you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. You're prepared. I'm, re- I'm ready for, for the, the jingle. jingle. Okay. okay. Joe, here you go. Oh, and of course, I should need to give credit to where credit is due. This is from now superfan Jeff, who, in addition to sending in this jingle, is a Saints fan and has also sent in another very long email about his Saints fandom, which I will get to very soon. But we just got to get the jingle out of the way first. I couldn't, I can't keep it from you any longer. <laughs> I can't wait. Dan that is completely amazing (laughs) I feel almost obligated to just move the Saints on to the next round just to as a sign of gratitude to Jeff that's That's amazing just cut off the episode let's let's just end it now just cut off Saints move on thank that's so good such great lyrics so much talent I mean captured the fact that you're doing all the work captured the fact that I don't want to Root for a team that Rob roots for. I love it. The greatest part it. about the jingle, now that you love it, is it uh, takes away a lot of the explanation at the beginning. Like, this is going to reshape how the entire podcast beginning starts. Absolutely. I'm not going to have the stupid phrase we have and then the stupid music. I mean, for this podcast, we are, but this is going to be the last one. The new ones are going to be just that. That explains everything. In uh, I mean, it's amazing. You know, and I like the fact that I mentioned when we talked about having a jingle, I mentioned wanting something that was reminiscent of a uh, 90s sitcom. And like the best 90s sitcom theme songs were the ones that explained the premise of the show within the theme theme song. And this theme song does it. It explains the whole premise. I love it. It's so good. All right. One more time. Just just get ready because I, I have it on demand. I can play it on demand. You don't have it. You're I, listening I mean, I, to it through the audio. Can, I need to put this on Spotify so I can add it to my playlist. Yeah. Okay. We should put it on Spotify. That's our new that's our income model. <laughs> Joe Bixon, NFL team. His Chargers fucked him over, wasn't that mean? So now he's starting over picking a team. Joe makes the ratings, but Dan does all the work. 
Woody visit, Woody cheer each and every single year. Are the fans an angry mob? Root with them, but not with Rob. Drink the city's local booze while you wait for Joe to choose. Joe picks an NFL team. <laughs> it's amazing. I mean, Jeff. It's Jeff, like so, so much talent. Super fan isn't even enough of a term. He needs a title. He's like the musician laureate of the podcast. Yeah. Boom. It's done. Done. Yes. Musician laureate Jeff, who will be coming back soon. All right. But we just have to move on from the jingle. Maybe Amazing. The, Amazing. the soundboard might come out later in the episode, but I, unfortunately I didn't have, I only have, uh, you know, like 10 things up, but I, I don't know when they're naturally going to come in. We'll see. Moving on to the mailbag. We've got to start with putting the Green Bay Packers one to bed. Then we'll get into we've got pro-Saints. We've got anti-Saints. We've got a whole everything. Let's hear it. Let's get our general stuff from Benjamin, VIP Benjamin, to our secret email address. Is it possible that maybe Joe needs to spend some time at the end of this, and by that he means this entire podcast series, to give a rating of all the Reddit fan bases? He says you can't do it like during the podcast because it might unfairly skew the results. But maybe when we get to the Sweet 16, you sort of add that in. So that's his suggestion. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, we haven't quite revealed yet what the uh, deciding factors are in the decision from the Sweet 16 to the Elite Eight once we get to -to head-to-head matchups. We mostly haven't revealed that because we don't know what they are yet. But I think certainly the Reddit fan base... I, I. I almost think we have to include it because it's affecting how I think about these teams. So I think it would be unfair to pretend like it's not. Yeah. All right. So that's definitely taken into consideration once we get to that Sweet 16, which, by the way, when we started this podcast, that just seemed like an unreachable goal. We're in the we're in the second half here. This in the is, home stretch. Yeah. I mean, before you were like, oh, we're halfway done. But it was like, oh, I have to edit this damn thing. But now it's done. I mean, they're only half left. And some of these teams are some real duds in the second half. We, maybe we can do the podcast in under two hours for those. <laughs> not likely. No, not likely. From Brad. Brad B. Just sent to the regular email address. Good for you, Brad. Welcome, Brad. Packers fan, but not ready to go to the lounge. But Brad, if you're listening right now. Get in. You're you're now a super fan. You're in the lounge. Hello, Joe. Just listening to the podcast. Really enjoyed it. I'm a lifelong Packers fan who's not from Wisconsin. In fact, I was born in Michigan and by all rights should be a Lions fan. I now live in Minnesota and you can imagine I get asked quite often, why the Packers? I usually start with my family. My grandfather is a diehard fan and as a boy spending time with him, his fandom took root in me. But oftentimes what I come back to is a sense of being part of an NFL team in some small way. With the Packers' unique ownership setup, I feel more attached to the team and more connected. There's no owner threatening to take away the team if they don't get a new stadium or more money. Also, they show that even small towns that are part of, quote, flyover country can be just as important as your New York or Chicago's. Thanks again for taking time to look at our little team, and best of luck as you go through your selection process. Also, I'd suggest the Packers' real drink is not Old Milwaukee or Packers Punch. Instead, it should be the beloved New Glarus Spotted Cow, a true gem of a beer. (laughs) Grab it if you can. You won't regret it. Chase them down with some cheese curds, and you'll have a real Wisconsin delight. All the best, Brad. Yeah, thanks, Brad. I mean, I think that it, it, 
it clearly showed halfway through our podcast that our special guest Packer fan wasn't really a Packer fan with any knowledge of Packer fandom. So your input is uh, much appreciated, Brad. It is a good point, though. I mean, if you're a Packers fan, you literally can become a part owner of the team. That's the only team in any sport that you can do that with, which is kind of cool. Totally. And and I mean, something that we shortchanged that we didn't really talk about, but it's such a unique thing about the Packers that I think we'll talk about again in the Sweet 16, is it is such a small city to have an NFL team. And that's just sort of a unique thing that will never really happen again. Yeah. You know, there's not going to be an expansion team in Spokane, Washington, for example, yeah. which is, I think, about the same size as Green Bay. I mean, it would be absurd. So it's just this unique footnote of history that this team has just continued to have a team and um you know totally interesting so of though we have a lot of emails that i think were generated by the packers episode that is our last specific packers email so joe do we have any fan feedback from that packers episode we do the packers fans on reddit Unlike the Arizona fans, which were so bad that I had to change the result of that episode, the Packers fans totally loved us. Whoa. They loved the episode. They wanted me to be part of the fan base. Uh, super fan Sean, um, who found us originally on Reddit, jumped on board and started telling all of his friends on the Packer Reddit page how great we were. But even before then, people were uh, super excited to hear from me. I did. I don't want to dwell on the negative feedback, but I just want to say one um poster is not a clever man uh says it's a dude shilling his shitty podcast this is completely against the rules of the subreddit which whatever okay that guy's a jerk but what was great about it is then all these people come to my defense someone who isn't a longtime listener who just i think listened for the first time said well it's a podcast that he does with his brother-in-law for fun they are both amateurs and have commercialized no part of the show or the web content he made something and is sharing it with people that may like it okay what is the exact opposite of commercialization where i spend so this is literally <laughs> like by far by far the most hours of my week in this entire series has been spent doing this podcast for it's a negative return so if anybody wants to talk about commercial there's no amount of price somebody could pay for an advertisement on this podcast, which, of course, nobody would pay for one anyway. That would be worth the amount of time and effort put into it. This is a labor of love, Joe. Yeah, no, I've registered us as a nonprofit, Dan. So okay, we're official. Good. It's All good. of the negative income, can uh, we won't have to pay taxes on it. On our 2017 tax filing. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So thank you, Reddit fan page. You guys are great. You know, that's a really cool thing, too, that... Are super fans, I mean, if you're a Reddit super fan in one of the other ones and you're listening to this, you obviously know you're going to post it in the, you know, this is going to be posted in New Orleans section. So if they want to come in and come on post on our behalf, I, I think that's welcome. Or is that OK? Or do we do we want to sort of eat, let each one be an independent unit to see how the fans treat you? No, look, I mean, I think I think Sean um wasn't salting the Green Bay Packers Reddit page to help us. I mean, I think he's an active contributor on that page anyway. And I think, you know, I don't want to put words in his mouth, but I think he was excited for like this community that he's already a part of in the Packers and the show that he already likes that he's coming on. And, you know, he was obviously a big part of the last episode. So, you know, I think if people are part of any community for their team, be it on Reddit or anywhere else, I, you know, it'd be great if they wanted to share it. 
Yeah. Actually, one of the future emailers who's very anti-Saints, maybe just stay in your <laughs> subreddit. Just stay there. Don't We don't want to create any sort of uh, wars over here, subreddit wars. But anyways, enough of that. Thank you, Green Bay Packers. The book is closed on you for now, but obviously... They've leapt into the Sweet 16. Unless you're taking it back, Joe. That's, nope. nope. That was a one-time thing. It's locked unless in. Unless I do it again. Yeah, but it's locked in. They're in. So now, uh, sort of an unrelated email, but unsurprisingly, an international fan from the UK. <laughs> you know, one thing I also noticed is I was like looking at our reviews, and we haven't gotten a new US review in a while. We might have like 500 reviews in the UK because you can't see them. Unless you're in the UK, like App Store. So who knows? Oh my I God. Mean, we're so popular overseas. We could be in the top 10 <laughs> podcasts <laughs> over could there. Be. <laughs> and this is from Superfan Bez. I'm emailing you from Bolton here in the UK. What a great podcast. I have to drive up and down the country, and your show makes each journey more bearable. For most of my life, I've only followed football, however, or, you know, our soccer. However, being a Sheffield Wednesday fan can be exhausting. Is that is Sheffield bad? Yeah, I'm. I'm I was going to say, I wonder if he's a Bolton Wanderers fan, but yeah, yeah, Sheffield is. I mean, they're they're in the second tier and are every once in a while promoted up into the first tier. Um, is their mascot the Premier League uh, day of the week? The Sheffield yes. Wednesday. Yes, yes, and their rival is the uh, Northam Thursday. No, I don't. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Anything's possible, Joe. Um. However, being a Sheffield Wednesday fan could be exhausting. So in 2011, I decided to pick an NFL team. I had followed the sport from a distance, but I decided to take a plunge. Much like your podcast, I did my research and set some criteria. The team I chose could not have won a Super Bowl before. The uniform needed to be one of the best in sport because he likes to buy the jersey and wear the jersey of his team. Great. He wanted a team with a franchise player, preferably a quarterback he could root for. And he wanted a team to be based somewhere he could visit. Guess what team he chose, Joe? I mean, I hope he didn't choose the San Diego Chargers. He chose the San Diego Chargers. Oh, no. <laughs> I settled oh, no. down to watch my new team play their first game in the 2011 season. The first play was a Percy Harvin 103-yard kickoff return in which Nate Kading went down with an injury. <laughs> I should have seen <laughs> the signs about right. right there. But now that the team has moved, he's still a Chargers fan. I urge you to consider all of the teams in the NFL, but then return to be a Chargers fan. Once a fan, always a fan, I say. Don't let an idiotic and petulant owner take away what is your team. What do you think about that? That's interesting. I mean, I I do wonder, I mean, if you are a fan abroad of the Chargers, like does the difference between San Diego and LA seem sort of absurd if you are thousands of miles away i mean it's almost certainly an upgrade if you're looking to visit no offense to san diego no i mean you would probably be flying in and out of la anyway if you're coming from from uh, england so yeah i mean i think uh it sort of makes sense why you would follow the team i mean i i wonder if he would apply the same standard if sheffield wednesday left sheffield and moved somewhere else i in like european football like the teams can't move. They would only just keep getting demoted until it's just like a local like club team, right? I mean, people in Sheffield are always going to want to play, and they'll play for the Sheffield club, right? Well, as a Tottenham fan, you know, Tottenham fans will tell you that, that they still think that North London belongs to us, 
and Arsenal unfairly encroached on that area when they moved to North London from South London like 100 years ago. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, I see. I didn't know teams could move, but I guess they only move probably like 20 miles or something. Well, I guess like 30 kilometers. I mean, I have no yeah. idea how big London is. I mean, is England's it? not that big. And we do stand with London on this podcast, by the way, against our president. Unbelievable. Yeah. But his email actually continues. So that's just part one. But part two is, in contrast, my wife chooses two new teams to support each season. Whichever Mm. team is on Hard Knocks, plus a second team, which she decides in July. So that's coming up. She picked the Packers in 2011. They won the Super Bowl. The Giants in 2012. They won the Super Bowl. The Seahawks in 2014. They won the Super Bowl. And the Falcons in 2017. They did not win the Super Bowl. (laughs) I'm sure she is some sort of soothsayer. Keep up the good work, guys. And then he sent a follow-up email a day later. Said... I am pleased to announce that my wife has decided to listen to your podcast and use it to help her decide which second team to support this year. I will let you know who she picks. Wow. Wow. I I feel like that's a lot of power. Um, Also, I feel like his wife should have a gambling podcast for sure. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Because that's some pretty impressive results there. Uh, I actually like the idea of um, picking two teams and i like the idea of going seasonally i mean i think i'm trying to figure something out that's a little bit more long term but i think if you are willing to switch your allegiances every year it could be a lot of fun yeah i mean i i like it especially the picking the hard knocks team because it is kind of fun yeah that makes a lot of sense you'll just get to know a ton about the team right all right so that closes the book on emails not about the saints we're going to get into the saints so We're going to start. We're going to open the book on the Saints. Let the podcast begin. I have a very long pro-Saints email and a very long anti-Saints email. Joe, do you want to start pro-Saints and then go to anti-Saints, or do you want to start anti-Saints and go pro-Saints? Let's start start pro and then hear anti. Okay. So, our pro-Saints email is from our musical laureate, Jeff. He says Joe and Dan. I'm so inclined to agree with whatever Jeff says right now. <laughs> Jeff is is telling a story. He's a I don't know if he is a novelist in addition to his musical talents, but he clearly is an artist with not only the song word but also the written word. I I'm happy to give him more laureate titles if yeah. if they're available to him. Okay. Come take a trip back in time with me to the fall of 2008. I was sharing a townhouse and a television in Ithaca, New York with someone who would one day become known as Superfan Tony. But this story isn't about him. Someone else lived there as well, working beneath the rest of us in a dark, damp garage. Call him Carlos. It was in this house that Carlos and I had a conversation which might sound a little familiar to you. In my mind, I think of the conversation as Jeff picks an NFL team. (laughs) Yes, you heard me correctly, Joe. I, too, made a deliberate decision to choose an NFL team. Unlike you, though, I wasn't a football fan yet at all, so I'd never sworn allegiance to any team. Also, unlike you, Joe, I made my decision quickly and didn't implore the rest of the world to listen to the process of making it. <laughs> I don't know if that's a if that's a compliment or an insult. Who knows? 
I set out with only one piece of non-negotiable criteria, which was the team I chose could not have made the playoffs in the previous year, so I didn't come into it seeming like a bandwagon fan. In other words, I didn't want a team that was too good. He's he's setting up a legal case here uh, against you for, for some of this trademark infringement. I don't know if he has prior art, though. That's a good part about the podcast. <laughs> There was no other structure to my search. I was open to see where the journey would take me, but it was a short journey because as soon as I mentioned my desire to adopt a team, Carlos was there to tell me about his favorite team. Carlos said, in fact, his team had not made the playoffs the previous year. He said his team had a superstar quarterback, who, by the way, you were very familiar with, and an explosive offense that was really fun to watch. He said the city was one of rich culture and storied history, that the fans had a deeply rooted tradition of community, He said the football team was going to carry its city's people and maybe even a nation towards an unparalleled tale of strength and perseverance in the wake of a devastating natural disaster. He said to join him for something special was on the horizon. I didn't need any more episodes. For that day, I became a New Orleans Saints fan. The very next season, in February of 2010, with a Tracy Porter pick six of Peyton Manning, the Saints sealed a win over the Colts in Super Bowl, whatever, some Roman numeral number. As Carlos and I jumped up and down in each other's arms, he didn't say anything about how newly minted of a fan I was, about how he had put in more time or had a better reason to care that he deserved the joy any more than I did. Just like every other Saints fan I've ever come across, we shared an unconditional moment of connection, of brotherhood. Joe, we would welcome you into the family with the same unequivocal sincerity that Carlos gave to me all those years ago and ever since. Perhaps, even if privately, you too won't need another episode. Who dat? Jeff. Wow. Wow, Jeff. Got a little teary-eyed there. That was incredible. (laughs) It sounds like he and Carlos were podcasting before we were. They just weren't recording it. Yeah. The original form of podcasting, talking. (laughs) I, I would have written a theme song for them, too, had they... Have they asked? Um, yeah, that I mean, look, I love that story, and I love the fact that when they won, Carlos didn't lord it over his friend Jeff that he had been a fan longer because that's how it should be. Once you've devoted yourself to a team, you've devoted yourself to that team. Um, it's a great intro to the Saints. Thank you, Jeff. Carlos also sent in an email. He said, "Dear Dan and Joe, what Jeff said, sincerely, Los." <laughs> Thanks, Carlos. Now, I Carlos was at the bachelor party. Very fun guy. He could uh, put down a few hurricanes too, if if the uh, situation <laughs> if the arose. situation called for it. Yeah. All right. Well, you started with the pro saints. You started with our musical laureate Jeff, but this is about to get negative. <laughs> All right. All right. Let's hear the problems with the saints. You ready? Yeah. Hi. My name is Jay, and I'm a super fan. It all started when I saw the Reddit post on the Atlanta Falcons subreddit. I had been hiding in my broom closet for a few months, unwilling and unprepared to face the outside world. Even in my isolation, I was tormented by the faint sounds of 28-3 jokes, coupled with my own haunting memories that were bestowed upon me that fateful night in February, which, by the way, was my birthday. That's... I mean, I'm not a Falcons fan, but man, still a shitty birthday for me. Yeah, your birthday now is going to be forever remembered as the worst day for Falcons fans in history. I know. In order to begin my reassimilation into society, 
I somewhat begrudgingly returned to the subreddit that I had once held so dear. I found your podcast and used it to reintroduce myself to the love of the NFL. Like you have heard from other Falcons fans, it was nice to hear an objective view of our team and the Super Bowl fiasco. While there are many things I think you missed on, mainly your understanding of Georgian, Georgian, I don't even know how to pronounce it, Georgian geography, sky bridges of the future, (laughs) and the quality of Dan Quinn. I was wildly entertained and even so inspired to listen to the rest of your series. But this time I have listened to every episode and have even managed to listen to some of them twice. I am not ready to make a judgment on if that says more about my mental stability or the quality of your show, (laughs) but for now I am reserving judgment and enjoying the ride. Great idea with the secret lounge, but I I cannot condone repeating it during the episode with one of the largest fan bases in the NFL. I give it two weeks before the place smells like molded cheese and puddles of Milwaukee's worst. You had it perfect with the Arizona Cardinals. Only super fans are going to be there for that one. Anyways, that's just a side note. Onto the good stuff. What do you think about that point, Joe? It is a good point. I mean, I mean and certainly I would say 100% the reason why Rob did not score worse in the Is Rob a Dick poll. That flood at the end had to have been super or had it been non-super fan Green Bay fans from the Reddit page. Yeah. And the thing is that you had even said on the Arizona Cardinal one is like, who's listening to that? Like, you either have to be a super fan of the show. I mean, the Arizona Cardinals fans give it such a bad reaction that they hated it, demoted it. So that actually was a perfect canary for actual super fans. So we did blow it. By talking about it in the Green Bay, and we probably blew it again by saying it on this one too. So, but that's sorry, it. Sorry, Jay. No more. No more. That's Never it. again. That's it. Done. Back to Jay. Initially, I felt as though this email was long overdue. I had been meaning to write you guys for some time about the Falcons episode and provide you with my thoughts. My goal is to give you some new material for the eventual Sweet 16 showdown that is yet to come. While I still plan to do this in the future, I cannot deny I have had the fortune of spectacular timing. I have just finished listening to the Green Bay episode. A painful episode for a Falcons fan. Wait, but you beat Green Bay. Oh, how can you pontificate on elite quarterback wide receiver combos and gloss over the fact that you already covered Matt Ryan's and Julio Jones? It cuts deep. Now, Jay, I would like to note, I had Julio Jones on my fantasy team. And if you look at fantasy quality, Julio Jones had some very good, amazing weeks. Julio Jones missed a few weeks. Julio Jones had a few bad games. The green, both Aaron Rodgers and Jordy Nelson were better, were more elite in fantasy than Matt Ryan and Julio Jones. Not talking about the quality on the field or anything. We're just, we're just looking at the numbers, Jay. That's all I do. Well, and we should point out that much like in real life, the Falcons scored better than the Green Bay Packers. In their final score. It's true. I mean, the Falcons are still the number one team. Right. I mean, you could be a Falcons fan in a few months. Well, I mean, we know we're going we're gonna to get more of Jay when, when it comes time for them to uh, match up with whoever they're matching up with. Anyways, I digress, he says. The beauty of deciding to write you now is you have just selected to cover the New Orleans Aints, a team with less redeemable qualities than a group shower with Donald Trump Dean Spanos, and Rob. (laughs) Surely the Aints are Rob's third favorite team. Anyways, due to the aforementioned timing, I've decided not to detail the Falcons, but instead to break down the worst team in the entire NFL. Let's break it down in the only way that makes sense. 
Now, he is breaking it down category by category. Normally, I would bring this up in each category, but I'm just going to let him just get it out right now and just build off this. And then once we get to the categories, we'll keep in mind what he said, but we'll also look at it, you know, objectively. Don't win a team that's too good or too bad. The Aints were a very good team for three years, and they capitalized on it by bringing home a trophy. Good for those assholes. Fuck. I'm not bitter at all. Since the Aints are really, really great at going 7-9 and miss the playoffs, in fact, they've gone 7-9 of nine four of the last five seasons. What's worse is they're getting worse every time they do it and paying Drew Brees more and more money to make it happen. The dude is old, and I'm dreading the moment you give this team extra points because Brees is a former Charger. When he leaves, which will be soon, this team's going to be the Cleveland Browns. Three out of ten. Yes, he scored them all. <laughs> the Falcons are in this division, so it's pretty sweet. Oh, yeah. What do you think about the division? The Falcons are in this division, so it's pretty sweet. Not so sweet for the Aints to be the only team without a bright future, but the division's on the rise. The other cool thing about the NFC South is that until very recently, it had never had back-to-back division winners. I know you like the NFC East for its parody, and the NFC South has some flavor of that as well. I can stomach a high score here because the Falcons are in the division. Seven out of ten. Head coach. He wrote some links about things we'll get into later. He says, Sean Payton won a Super Bowl. I'll give him that, but he has never given Drew Brees a defense. Three and a half. Is the team evil? Yes. They are a member of the Legion of Evil or whatever all of those assholes call themselves on Reddit. They literally paid players to go out there and hurt other players. I'm all about finding an edge, but this is so across the line, it's ridiculous. Zero. Can't root for a team that Rob roots for. Please tell me it's Rob's third favorite team. Zero out of ten. Is it a city I would enjoy going to for a game? Okay. New Orleans is a lot of fun. I'll give it that. But it's also the murder capital of the USA. Oof, six out of ten. <laughs> Do they have fantasy players I could put on the roster? Drew Bees is old. Michael Thomas is good, but Drew Bees is old. <laughs> Three out of ten. Is the owner a monster? He almost moved the team to San Antonio for the same reasons the Charger just moved. Had it not been for Katrina, I think that the move was inevitable. We actually sort of tried the move without with Katrina. Anyways, he hired Mickey Loomis, who had no idea how to manage a cap, but hey, that's good for me. Three out of ten. Rate the uniform. Just the sight of it makes my blood boil. Zero. (laughs) (laughs) Do they play a style of play? Do you enjoy watching a team score more points than every other team, but their rival still manage to lose all the time? Four and a half. What is interesting about this fan base? Nothing. Zero. (laughs) Rate the drink. I hope you are drinking a hurricane or a hand grenade. If so, they are very sweet and very tasty, but generally lead to a great night and a regrettable morning. Okay. Yeah, we are. Six out of yeah. ten. If you're drinking bourbon for Bourbon Street, then it's hilarious and deserving of ten points. Okay. Well, we didn't do that. But we've already drank bourbon for one of the previous oh, ones. Can't do now it. Now I just wish I was drinking bourbon. Yeah. Well maybe it's making me angrier at this hurricane for not being bourbon. <laughs> so he says in conclusion, they should land somewhere between the Jets and the Browns, which I feel is an accurate landing place for a team so atrocious. Okay, enough of that. I hope Joe realized the weight of his decision in the next episode could be the biggest mistake of his life. The only way this team could get a maybe is if they are automatically matched up with the Falcons in the first round of the Sweet 16. That I could enjoy. I feel that this will be one of the hardest episodes for me to listen to because you guys are bound to say something good about the team at some point, and in the moment, it will actually hurt my feelings. Good luck, boys. Signed, Fuck the Saints, Superfan Jay. Dan, I feel so torn. 
we have Superfan Jay, who is basically giving us credit for rescuing his mental health after the Falcons loss, which, you know, feels pretty good. Like, I'm glad I wouldn't we say rescuing, I would say affecting his mental health. I mean, we more or less saved Jay's life. Okay. Uh, <laughs> on, on one hand, making some fairly persuasive arguments and frankly, I think doing a lot of the work for us, which is always appreciative. Definitely. On the other hand, we have Jeff, our musician laureate, our poet laureate, the soul of this podcast practically, <laughs> urging me to root for the Saints. Uh, you know, urging I, you, giving you brotherhood if you root for them. You have you have a yeah. friend. You have two friends, and I guarantee if you're with Jeff and Carlos, you're gonna have a good time. Yeah, I feel like I'd have a great time with Jay though. I don't know what to do. Yeah. I think all we can do is go through these categories and do our best. I feel like, you know, one of those kids whose parents are getting divorced and I have to pick which one I want to live with. You're already being torn in different directions torn and we asunder. haven't even started. By the Saints. This is this is going to be a rough episode. Yeah, for somebody. But for somebody, it's going to be very glorious. We're only 45 minutes in, so are there any more emails? That's it. All we have to do, I mean, we're we're going to start opening the book on the Saints. Although, of course, to start opening the book on the Saints, we're going to have Super Fantoni tell us about their draft. The New Orleans Saints were widely praised for their selection of Lattimore as a steal. Most projected him to go in the top 10, but then the run on quarterbacks happened. Extra first-round pick from Brandon Cook's trade. They traded Brandon Cook's to the Patriots. Extra first-round pick from the Brandon Cooks trade was used on center Ryan Ramizic to protect Drew Brees. Then back to the secondary in the second, and a scat back like running back, a.k.a. Darren Sproles, Alvin Kamara in the third. The Saints, I think, are realizing their Brees window is closing and making their picks with that singular goal in mind. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Marshawn Lattimore is a cornerback who played at Ohio State. No wonder Tony thinks he's such a great pick. <laughs> but they haven't picked a new quarterback. No. I mean, there is, you're not going to do better than Drew Brees at this point in time. We'll, we'll get to it later, but as um, superfan Jay has said, Drew Brees is old. He might be old, but the man can still fling it around there. He is not the problem with this team, that's for sure. But let's just jump right into this, Joe. You don't want a team that's too good or too bad. The New Orleans Saints have the Super Bowl odds of 33-1. to 1. Mm-hmm. You know, long shot, but doable. They've won a Super Bowl before, as our music laureate Jeff said, in 2009, in, you know, the 2009 season and early 2010, defeating the Colts in a crazy Super Bowl. I mean, I remember it very distinctly. It uh, looked like the Colts were just going to run away with it when they get up 10-0, but then it, it it all fell apart. And what a it's the only championship any New Orleans team has ever won. Their over-under this year is eight wins, so they're square right in the middle. Now top third, middle third, bottom third, Joe. In the past 10 years, win percentage. I'm going to say middle third. Playoff wins. Middle third. Though, you know, actually, actually, let's say top third. It's hard to win the Super Bowl without being top third. Top third. Made the playoffs. Middle third. Joe, you got two out of three. I'm getting better, Dan. I'm getting better. (laughs) You're getting better. So they're correct about making the playoffs. 
middle third. They made the playoffs only four times, and that's based on their recent history, basically, of missing the playoffs in the last three years, three times in a row. But for both playoff wins, of which they have five, and win percentage, they are squarely in the top third. Their win percentage is actually seventh, and playoff wins is tied for eighth because we're sort of looking at the past as Jay said, they've gone seven and nine four out of the last five years, which is true. But frankly, seven and nine isn't that bad in the NFL. And the other years, they got 11 wins, 13 wins, 11 wins, 13 wins. So in the, you know, in the years they're good, they're winning double digit games. And in the years they're bad, they're winning seven games. Literally since 2006, they've won at least seven games every year. So, right. So the worst that they are is seven wins which is still pretty good compared to i mean half the league basically definitely but you know obviously if you're looking at it they've missed the playoffs four to the last five seasons they've gone seven and nine four in the last five seasons so they're a team that's certainly not in their peak which was from 2009 to 2013 yeah i mean the thing okay so on the on the not too good not too bad scale you know i think that um they are obviously a good team, but one that is clearly a little bit past its prime and on the downward slope of where they once were. And I could almost imagine the Saints, maybe it's after Drew Brees retires, or maybe it's, you know, if he ever starts to severely decline. I could see them having one or two years of being really bad yeah. before then, like another resurgence. But I don't think that they're too bad. I just think that they're on that downward slope. And then on the too good side, they did very recently win a Super Bowl. So you think like you're sort of becoming a fan after what will surely be their most exciting Super Bowl win. I mean, it was yeah. post-Katrina. It was with Drew Brees, their franchise quarterback. I mean, like... Comeback win. They, you have the picture of the pick six and Peyton Manning on his on his butt and the the you know ball in the air. Uh, yeah, right. they, you're not right. gonna. You couldn't script it any better than that for the franchise. Right. You're not going to relive that high with the next Super Bowl win. But I do feel like unlike other franchises that have won it recently, like when we talk about the Broncos or obviously the Patriots, I feel like because New Orleans has been so starved for championships. And because there was like, you know, a curse before about them winning playoff games. So you're talking about a long history of losing. I feel like there is a little bit more excitement to be wrung out of this team. Like, I feel like if they won it again, it would be a very exciting thing. Not quite at that peak of the last Super Bowl win, but I think that it certainly would be there. But um, I think this is a six and a half out of 10. Okay. Six and a half out of 10. Number two. What do you think about the division? So we've been to this division once before. Well, he came to those Atlanta Falcons who did so well in your ranking system, and you gave this an eight for the Atlanta Falcons. But now we've got a little additional information. We've got the over-unders for the teams. And as was said by Jay in his rankings, this is a very tight division. I mean, he begrudgingly gave them a high score. Because look at the over-unders. Atlanta, 9.5. Carolina, 8.5. Tampa Bay, 8.5. New Orleans, 8. The spread in the Vegas over-unders between the top team and the bottom team is 1.5 wins. Yeah, that's incredible. Which is 
pretty exciting. And all the rest we've covered in the past episode, but, you know, just to bring it back a little bit, the last two Super Bowls have contained a team from this division, the Falcons and the Panthers. They have two Super Bowl wins, the Saints in 2009 and the Bucks in 2002. And, um, you know, to his point about this division being having a lot of parity, I mean, the Saints haven't won it in at least the last five years. Uh, they went to the playoffs in 2013, which was last year as a wild card, but this division has been won by the Panthers three times and then the Falcons last year and then five years ago. So if the Saints won the division, which or, or if Tampa Bay won the division, it would be, um, you know, it, it would be a team that hasn't won it in five years. Yeah, I mean, I think I think that the eight is a fair, if not maybe a little bit uh, generous a score, but I think there are certainly three teams to like in this division and then Tampa Bay. But you love Jameis Winston. He's like your favorite quarterback of all time. I do love Jameis Winston. The other thing that, and I know this is going to kill Jay a little bit inside, but the fact that there's such hatred between Falcons fans and Saints fans makes me actually like this division a little bit more. You know, these aren't teams that are indifferent to each other. Falcons fans obviously hate Saints fans. That's I mean, great. I think they hate Panthers fans too. I've watched these games. So, you know, these teams hate each other. They hate each other. Yeah, I love that. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, I don't think that there's anything different in regard to this division looking at it from the Saints perspective than from the Falcons perspective. So I'm going to keep the eight out of 10. All right. Great start for the Saints, though. Number three, does the head coach meet a minimum threshold of competence? The head coach is, of course, Sean Payton. He's been the head coach for now 11, well, 11 years, but 10 seasons. So we'll get into that in a little in a second. That's rough. That's rough. So Roto World last year ranked him number 12, and this year they rank him number 11. And basically their whole shtick on him is he's a good offensive mind. You know, he came in got Drew Brees and just put up amazing offensive numbers and frankly has done so for the last 10 for every season he's coached including last year which we'll get to a little later but defense has always been a problem he's just a coach who can't you know hire the right people or do anything I mean it's not that they've been bad on defense Roto World says they've been historically bad on defense in in the last few years so this is just a team that's like, we're going to score a lot of points on offense and Sean Payton is just disinterested or can't quite figure out a way to make a team that's balanced, which, you know, having a great offense is one thing, but it's a team that's gone seven and nine for the last three years. So it's like, it doesn't matter if you have a great offense, if you can't stop anybody. So you got to ding Sean Payton a little bit for that. And so they put him at 11 for that reason. Great offensive mind. Absolutely. And that can't be denied, but He's, he's shown in his history that, it, you know, he just can't make anything work on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah. And, you know, end up in a situation where you're wasting all that offensive talent, uh, you know, both from a player and from the coaching standpoint, if, if you can't actually stop your opponent, which I mean, I mean, certainly, you know, as a fan of the Washington football club can be an incredibly frustrating thing to watch. And I guess we'll yeah. get to that more with the playing style. Well, I was but- looking at the stats and they had um, both the Saints and the, the Washington football club were very similar in um, both their proclivity for gaining yards on offense and for giving up. And I was I, I was checking to see if the Saints were like last. But as it turns out, the Washington football club gives up more yards than the Saints. But the Washington football club did have a little bit better of a scoring defense. But yes, I'm very familiar with this. 
this thing right. and it's frustrating. Right. You know, and I mean, I'm sure some of that is the fact that they're playing the Falcons twice a year. So it's not. We've got a trend here, though. I think this is right, the this one isn't thing a new you problem for them. Jay Gruden right. is a new coach, new, you know, new personnel. We're talking about Sean Payton having essentially control of the team for 10 years. And the story has remained the same for the last five years. And have they done a lot of um, of shifting of the defensive coordinator? I mean, I, I can't say I'm an expert on exactly Greg Williams left and the defense was bad or if the defense, I, I don't know exactly what, I know during their Super Bowl run, their defense, you know, had its moments. And it's obviously clear from Tony's draft report that they're investing in defense this season. But, uh, you know, I, I can't tell you other than the stats on their defense have been, dr- you know, n- not only bad, but like historically dreadful for, you know, I probably the last five years. Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, this category is about competence. And I don't think anyone argues or could argue that Sean Payton is an incompetent coach. I mean, I think if my team, whatever team I root for, if they weren't the Saints, if they fired their head coach or their head coach retired or whatever, and you found out that they were hiring Sean Payton, I don't think that many fans would be like, Oh, fuck no, not Sean Payton, right? Yeah. Like, I think he's just generally considered to be a competent coach. I think to a certain degree, as we talk about this more, it's so interesting to think about what different coaches' skill sets are. And like, I think back to the Bengals and how Marvin Lewis, like his great skill is being a great delegator and having these great coordinators under him. And so, so to a certain extent, you do want to judge a coach a little bit on who their coordinators are. But I, I also think that, Sean Payton is certainly competent, definitely maybe needs to get a little bit more competent in the management of the defense and of the defensive coordinators, but I think this is a 7 out of 10. All right, 7 out of 10. Maybe that's too high. 6.5 out of 10. Okay. It is actually funny. Bill Simmons has a big thing about Sean Payton, which is like, you know, he was banned from coaching for a year, and it's like... But they were bad that year. I know that they were bad, but it's like you stop being a coach for a year and you realize like how great life is, you know, like he's obviously (laughs) worth tens of millions of dollars. He has to like play with his kids and stuff. And he's like, wouldn't it be fun if I were just like a rich guy getting to hang out with my family, not having the high stress. And that like, after that, he's could never be the same again. Cause like, why is he going to work so hard? If now he realizes how great it is to not work. Something well, that's I'm like the intimately thing with, familiar with. <laughs> but isn't that also the thing with like John Gruden? Like, why would John Gruden come back to coaching? His life is fantastic he, right he's now. He's not coming back. To, I, I think that's, right. that's the same right. thing. Right. Um, Bill Simmons' <laughs> point is like, the second that Sean Payton left coaching for a year, he could never be a great enough coach because it's like, he knows what <laughs> life is like yeah. outside of it. <laughs> but. <laughs> he's like been like let out of the prison for a day and yeah no yeah but like you know actually i mean i'm gonna keep it at, at a six and a half but the sort of value over replacement on sean payton is actually like is an argument in his favor because they were really bad the year that he was banned yeah i mean sean payton is a coach that if the washington football club hired him i'd be like oh sweet our right. offense is think- gonna be great forever and hopefully somebody they can find somebody to, to handle the defense. And I think most fans would. I think that's the ultimate barometer. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Which is sort of what we got with Jay Gruden in a way. Anyways, number four, do the players get in trouble with the law? So I'll, I'll spare you the game, although you would have been wrong, because in the past five years, they've been in the bottom third. They've only had four incidents. 
but I'm not going to talk about something involving a player, and I'm not going to talk about something from the past five years. I'm going to talk about something that happened from 2009 to 2011, which was termed Bounty Gate. Now, for time purposes, I'm not going to get into every facet of this scandal like I do for most things because I spent so many hours today getting that soundboard worked out. I didn't have time <laughs> to spend that on Bounty Gate. And, I mean, I think that, that most people know about Bounty Gate. I yeah. mean... <laughs> I mean, it's... This is it's worth so good. The, the not getting the Bounty Gate. NFL team. This Chargers fucked him over. Wasn't that mean? So now he's this turning is over. Brilliant with the team. lyrics. Joe makes so ratings, but Dan does all the work. I like that. I'm in it. Woody visit, Woody cheer each and every single year. Are the Woody visit, Woody cheer. That's so great. With them, but not with Rob. Drink the city's local booze while you wait for Joe to choose. Ugh, so great. Worth it. So that's why I'm not in it. It sort of has like a, um, like a postal service vibe to it, doesn't it? It's got something. To, I mean, I'm not. I don't. I'm not a, little a music like warrior myself. In there. It's There's great. something there. There's there's some there's yeah. some musical uh, thing going on there. Yeah. Anyways, Dan, give the Saints two bonus points. <laughs> Just drop them in somewhere. All right, keep going. <laughs> Make a special <laughs> special miscellaneous section. Give give them two bonus points. Let's do. Okay. Well, when, when we get to the end, you know, you give it to it in the drink. The drink All is right. up up, right. up for grabs. All right. All right. Great. Great. Uh, defensive coordinator Greg Williams, uh, or whatever. Okay, so their scandal bounty gate was where the franchise players were accused of paying out bonuses or bounties for injuring opposing players. Now, this is like true Breeze disputed. I mean, based on what I read, he disputed this ever happened. It is all like myth. In his mind, it's like deflate gate where nothing actually happened and they were penalized. However, according to the Wikipedia article, Greg Williams admitted to it. Sean Payton admitted to knowing it. Sean Payton, the the idea was all the defensive players and maybe other players put money in a pool and you were paid out if you made a good play or you would pay into the pool if you made a mental mistake on defense. Okay, whatever. I'm fine with that. But you also received bounties for cart-offs, plays in which an opponent was removed from the field on a stretcher in a cart, and knockouts, plays that resulted in a player being unable to return for the rest of the game. Those You normally made $1,000 for a cart-off and $1,500 for a knockout, which is insane because these guys are paid a lot more than that. I mean, maybe not the average player, but whatever. It's still insane. And... In the league's investigation, although, again, based on what we've seen in Deflategate, the league investigation, who God knows how accurate it was, but whatever. They said that Sean Payton not only knew about the scheme, tried to cover it up. They said that there was an email to Sean Payton in which somebody had referenced in the email that you would get a bounty of $5,000 if you knocked Aaron Rodgers out of a game, and Sean Payton had said he denied that he saw that email but then the nfl like proved he'd not only seen the email he had like replied to it and then he admitted (laughs) to the nfl that he had seen it and obviously in the email was the concept of a bounty so it was like fairly proven that sean payton knew about it 
As a result of this, Greg Williams was suspended indefinitely, though this was overturned the following year. I don't know exactly how long he ended up being suspended. And head coach Sean Payton was suspended for the entire 2012 season, which was the first time in modern NFL history that a head coach had been suspended for any reason. How crazy is that? Uh, So that's Bounty Gate. Uh, It went all the way up to the top. The cover-up was worse than the crime, though the crime was also terrible. So, look, I mean, I don't want to be contrarian about it, but, okay, so first of all, something that I, I've i always struggled with with Bounty Gate, was this a unique thing that the Saints were doing, or were the Saints unlucky about getting caught? Greg Williams had been doing this with the Washington Football Club, or, or like people had said, he was doing the same thing with the Washington Football Club when he was our defensive coordinator right before he moved to the Saints, so... Right. I mean, is this just something that happens in a lot of NFL locker rooms and not, okay, not that that excuses it, but let's just like, first of all, say that it's a very violent game. And they're like, you get a bonuses for hitting players. Well, when a defensive end is coming around the corner, what are they trying to do to the quarterback? Right. So there's such a good double standard here. Okay. So like, I remember, and granted, like ESPN has stopped doing this because of all the concussion stuff, but there used to be like a separate, like highlight segment reel of like really hard hits. Oh, like, yeah, jacked up. I mean, jacked the, Madden, up, that's right. yeah. the Madden intro video used to be just like 20 hard hits in a row. Right. So it's not like, like you know, celebrating a defender, like knocking the shit out of someone is not a new thing. Now, I guess adding the the injury element to it feels like the type of thing that went overboard. However, I would say because there was sort of a pay-in system for penalties or other mistakes, it's sort of, to my mind, saying, okay, we want you to hit people hard. We want you to even knock them out of the game, but we don't want you, you know, it's not rewarding them taking out a player's knees or, or you know, like jabbing a player in the ribs or or whatever the fuck would like be a penalty because it's it's clearly designed to like stay within the bounds of the rules of the game. Yeah. That being said, like, I mean, it is like the whole like idea of getting an extra reward and the fact that like this must have actually been paid out at times. Oh, you, this person oh, I mean, was, was carted off after every game, right? This person was carted off in a stretcher. You're getting extra money is pretty sick. To your point that you had just said, they, in their defense, they were like, none of the plays that the NFL were like, quote unquote, like bounty gate plays resulted in penalties on the field. And it was something that clearly had to be punished because it was pointing out the sort of hypocrisy of the NFL. Yeah. Um, you know, so I, I mean, so that's, they, that's, I think, Drew Brees's entire point of the situation. Right. That the biggest crime was was I mean, it's sort of funny when you think about it. What did they do wrong? They paid players for hitting other players. Well, that's like the entire point of the <laughs> yeah. NFL. Um, it is somewhat grotesque, but it's only grotesque in that like it takes the whole concept of what it is to be an NFL player and just takes it like one step too far in terms of like, like, I mean, that's the part of it that kind of gets to me is like there was someone at some point who was carted off the field and they're like, all right, that's more, that's more money yeah, for you in the sweet, pot. And, sweet. and that seems, and, and that seems a little fucked up, especially like amongst the players that there's usually, you know, kind of like a, a unspoken 
code of conduct between players. Like, this is how I make my living. This is how you make your living. I'm not going to try and fuck with yeah. your living. Like, I'm going to do, I'm going to play within the rules of the game, but I'm still not trying to, like, hurt you. Yeah, yeah. I was actually watching um, the Champions League final this Saturday, and um, I forget who the two players were in the exchange, but there was a, like, actual foul. There was a foul where someone tripped someone, but it was like kind of an accident, but it was like not like a flopping around like for show type of foul. And you can see that the person who committed the foul was actually like very, very apologetic. And then the person who was fouled because he wasn't trying to milk it because he actually was fouled was like, oh, no, no, I'm fine. You know, and you can yeah. just watch this exchange of like, oh, that was a different type of exchange than when it's sort of the more for show where the person who's presumably getting fouled like acts more upset and the person who is accused of the foul acts like indignant like of course they didn't do it. like this was just like a oh shit i'm sorry i i like stepped on your ankle there you know like they actually just there was like a genuine moment there and, and you know you feel like that should exist in football more than any other sport where they're actually you know people's career can be ended on any given play yeah but it seems like this sort of lost sight of that so it it's certainly bad but i do think that it it was blown out of proportion by the NFL for sure. But I think it certainly has to be factored into the decision, though it is a bit old. Um, but let's give them a four out of 10. Okay, four out of 10. I think it's a it's a fair score that what otherwise might have been a high score is brought down by this, but it's it, it's better than like some other teams. Right, right. Look, it's nice for a week to not talk about domestic violence or rape. Wow, just... <laughs> Let's just move on. Let's move on so we don't have to. Let's go. We're done. Let's go. Let's keep going. Number five. Don't look back. (laughs) Can't root for a team that Rob roots for. Superfan Jay had hoped and is is sort of channeling his Rob that that Rob is going to put the Saints as his third favorite team. I can't feel that Rob puts the Saints as their favorite team. The problem is I just don't think the Saints are eminently rootable for somebody it's just a hard team, I think, to grasp onto. So I, I, I'm guessing Rob puts him somewhere in the middle. Well, I mean, Jay, of all fans who's listened to these episodes more than once, should remember that we've already talked about Rob's third favorite team, the Patriots. Um, oh, disgusting. Uh, <laughs> I know. I know. Um, Rob uh, rates the Saints as his ninth favorite team. Interesting. Oh, that's higher than I expected. Mm-hmm. He says, fun offense, historically an underdog. What's not to like? That's it? What's not to like? That the defense is dreadfully terrible? Well, maybe he'll he'll leave this episode a little bit wiser about what not to like about the Saints, but uh, he, he couldn't think of anything. So, yeah, you know, ninth favorite team, fairly middle of the road, but, I mean, certainly would be tough because it's in his top 10. So, let's say four and a half out of 10. Four and a half, that's... Oh, yeah, 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 I see what you're saying. It should be lower, but whatever. You're you're being nice on the Saints. You're you're giving a little musical laureate Jeff bump to everything. Superfan Jay, he just it wasn't enough of a wordsmith for you. He should have painted a word picture about. Well, no, I mean I'll say the reason why four and a half. I mean, look, I, maybe that's where we're putting some of our bonus points, but. Rob's made it clear that really like the distinction between, you know, there's sort of like the bottom five teams that he really hates. Yeah. And then there's sort of a top five team that he really roots for. And then everything else is sort of in like the squishy middle. I mean, this is sort of um, on the higher end of the middle, but it's still within that middle range. Yeah. All right. It's fair. It's your system. Number six. Is this a city you'd enjoy visiting to go to a game? 
Joe, when was the last time you went to New Orleans? I've only been there once, uh, and it was in 2003, 2002. So the, the, old, the, the pre-Katrina world. Pre-Katrina, during Mardi Gras, in college, uh, with your sister, staying with my buddy Matt. We had a great time. Oh, okay. Well, I was there a year ago, and the funny part is, let's look by our TripAdvisor ratings that we rate everything by. The number right, one spot, right. the National World War II Museum. Did you did you go to that, Joe? Of course we did. Um, no. Yeah. <laughs> no, we didn't. Number two, St. Louis Cathedral or St. Louis Cathedral. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Number three, Jackson Square. I mean, maybe. I don't know. Number four, Frenchman Street. I mean, probably. The point is, TripAdvisor, I spent a shitload of time in bars. I spent a real shitload of time in that Harris Casino. And friends of mine spent a shitload of time in strip clubs there. Norwinds, very fun place. And the Superdome and the... Um, the basketball stadium, which is named, it's like a smoothie, um, smoothie king, something like that, some stupid name. They're, they're <laughs> right, king arena. They're right <laughs> in the like downtown area. I mean, they're not like, it's not like next to it, but it's very like once you're in the the like party area, you can get to the stadium and get to all these places very very quickly. So it's certainly a place. I mean, it's no surprise that it hosts the Super Bowl like. You know, it's in the Super Bowl rotation, you know, when they can keep the power on. To the definition of the category, is it a city you'd enjoy going to a game? It's hard to say you wouldn't enjoy going to New Orleans to go to a game, though I think this city in particular might be very different than the other cities in terms of what you'd get by going to a game. Well, explain that. What do you mean by that? I don't think this is a city you're going to for museums or whatever. This is a city you're going to to. I mean, it, it's almost it's almost like the Las Vegas of the South. People go there, right. they get drunk, right. they party. Like when you get in a taxi from the airport, that it's like it's all part of the shtick, you know. And I think other if you get in a taxi in Houston, they're not gonna be like. Oh, where, where, what bar do you want to take me to, or whatever? You know, where New Orleans, it, it, it is like that, right? It wouldn't be like the family trip where I'm bringing my kids along with me to New Orleans, and oddly enough, we're going to actually get a chance to talk about Las Vegas a little bit on this podcast. But I think it's the right analogy, you know. So, I mean, I think the question is, okay, so obviously this is a city that I would have a lot of fun going to. I certainly would would want to visit. I mean. There's this other factor of post Katrina like importance in the like national symbolism of New Orleans and actually of the Superdome itself as like a piece of that history. So it's a little bit interesting in that regard. But I think the more pressing question with New Orleans is like, realistically, am I gonna go there? Right? Because I don't live in the South. The Las Vegas of where I live is Las Vegas. Yeah. And it's much closer and much more convenient. So it's like Really, it's almost more like because I'm at sort of a time in my life that is maybe like post going to New Orleans for Mardi Gras. Probably if I went to New Orleans, it would be because I was going to a Saints game, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, right? Like if you're giving yourself a reason to go to 
to New Orleans, that might be fun. So this is definitely high. I feel like I would rate this much higher if I lived someplace where New Orleans was like a 45-minute flight. It was like your Vegas. Because I'll tell you, I gamble. I'm a gambler. The Harris Casino there, it's great. I mean, you go there, you 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 can gamble in whatever game you want. You're you're gonna have a great time, and the casino is right in the middle of town. Is it on a riverboat? It is not on a riverboat. It is a giant building in the middle of town that I many times walked to from all the bar areas to satiate my need for gambling. But there are riverboats, so I mean, that's a. I think that's no, no. no I think that's a Mississippi thing. I don't know. I yeah I don't all I know is I spent a lot of time in that Harris Casino two thumbs straight up. Yeah, look, New Orleans is a great city. It'd be a lot of fun to go to. I certainly would go to a game there, though. It's like just a little bit less accessible than other places that are closer to the West Coast, but I'm still going to give it a. Wait, what did Jay rate it here? <laughs> oh, Jay talked about the murder capital. Yeah, yeah, that's Jay. Right. It I is- don't want to get murdered. Wow. But even Jay, I think, gave it like a six, right? Jay said, damn. Okay, New Orleans is a lot of fun. I have to give it that. Fun fact, it is also now the murder capital of the USA. Fun place to go once or twice. Every time is a dice roll, whether or not you end up in jail or dead. I'm thinking, <laughs> leave the kids at home for this one. Six out of ten. <laughs> <laughs> I love how the he dice might be, roll... He might be the poet laureate. <laughs> I love how the dice roll of ending up dead or in jail, but still gives it a six. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, let's give this a eight out of 10. This is a good score. New Orleans is a great, yeah, I mean, like we shouldn't, it, it's a great city. It's a lot of fun. It's, it's a fun place. Yeah. I mean, why beat around the bush? It's a great place. Okay. Yeah. Number seven, does the team have player players you could put on your fantasy roster? So, Obviously, we're talking about a team that's an offensive powerhouse. We'll get into a little bit more of that later, but you're not going to see any shortage of that here when we look at the key offensive positions. Drew Brees was the third best fantasy quarterback, 5,200 yards, 37 TDs. Obviously, great. But a new wrinkle this week. So I've looked at one of the fantasy leagues we were in the fantasy league you and i are co-commissioners of and i'm bringing in the draft values for these players so you can sort of see who were the diamonds in the rough last year so last week we talked about aaron Rodgers, who was the number one quarterback in this league he went for 45 dollars. so mm-hmm. drew Brees, the third best quarterback who was significantly behind aaron Rodgers, but still third best went for 25 dollars so Drew Brees, you're saving 10% of your fantasy budget and you're still getting third best value out of him. Of course, last year. It may change from year to year. But this- yeah, you're buying like four Anquan Boldens with that money savings. <laughs> That's, That's great. So as as um, Jay would say, the old Drew Brees still $25 third best QB. He'll take that every time. Mark Ingram was the eighth best fantasy running back. 1,000 yards, six touchdowns, 300 receiving yards, four receiving TDs. However, he went in your league for $41. So I think more was expected of him. Mm. And $41 for the eighth best running back. I mean, maybe that's okay, but he certainly was no diamond in the rough. I do think that Ingram is one of those players that he goes, 
he's 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 at that running back spot that he goes at a time in the draft when he's like the last decent running back on the board and people are like oh shit i need a running back and so they overpay for him but look at the wide receiver situation so michael thomas who is this their young wide receiver last year 12 dollars 92 catches 1130 yards nine touchdowns the eighth best wide receiver in fantasy twelve dollars joe diamond in the rough and brandon cooks who was also a top 10 wide receiver not as good as michael thomas but also great in your league went for 43 dollars because he was expected to be their number one wide receiver Uh. he's gone traded in new england so next year you look at these i mean just look at the new orleans wide receiver class there's going to be some fantasy diamonds in the rough there you know drew Brees is going to get his yards you know somebody's going to have to catch it so where there is a michael thomas this year who you buy for 12 dollars, you get 90 plus catches 1100 yards nine touchdowns there's going to be obviously michael thomas is probably going to cost a lot more this year but there's going to be a new michael thomas next year and i think this offense is sort of sort of it produces them every year probably at a higher rate than every team where it's just like some random person you've never heard of is going to come out in this offense and be great yeah you get a sense that you could sort of take a flyer on like three or four new orleans wide receivers for a fairly low price knowing that one of them is going to actually produce a thousand yard season yeah yeah i mean i think this is sort of in the same category as talking about the Washington Football Club, uh, the Falcons, Green Bay, these teams that, you know, if you have a very potent offense, even if the individual names that you're getting in the draft are different, there's just going to be sort of constant production fantasy-wise. And that's, I mean, that's all we really ask for in this category is, is are there going to be players that I can put on my team that is not a bad decision? The one caveat I'll say, well, okay, two things. One, this is the only category where I'm able to give a little bit of a bonus for having Drew Brees, which like as right. Cause I'm thinking about it. Look, I mean, it almost should be a category though. There's really not enough of them out there. So I have a friend who's a fan of soccer, Nate, who listens sometimes, you know, big fan of soccer, but his, the team that he's the biggest fan of is the U S soccer team. That's his favorite team, but they're really only in relevant games every four years. So the rest of the time, he just roots for whatever international club has the most U.S. players on them. Whatever team Pulisic is on. <laughs> for a while, it was uh, Fulham in the Premier League, and you know now Everton, and you know so I mean it it changes around. But uh, Yedlin is on uh, Newcastle, so it moves around. There is something to that of like who are these ex Charger players that I still have some affinity for and where do they play of course the team that has the most Charger players that I have affinity for is the LA Chargers so that category doesn't really make sense but sort of taking that you know there is sort of a bonus that should belong to Drew Brees being here and, and Darren like, Sproles for a long time absolutely the one thing that I'll say is dangerous about that you know is the Drew Brees age stuff that Jay brings up that if Drew Brees may have another season, another three seasons, five seasons in him, whatever, there will be a year where someone, and probably me, pays too much for Drew Brees in a draft, and he's just has that 
falls off that Peyton Manning cliff of just then being terrible. Yeah. So that's the risk. But, you know, overall, good fantasy team. And not just a good fantasy team, but with players that I actually genuinely want to root for. So let's give this a seven and a half out of 10. All right, seven and a half. I think it, obviously for a team that's an offensive juggernaut, it's, it's a fair score. I mean, maybe even a little low, but number eight, is the owner a monster? Their owner is Tom Benson. This is a little bit of an interesting team. Tom Benson is 89 years old. So Tom Benson, let's to get his history out of the way, he purchased the Saints in 1985 when he learned that the team was on the verge of being sold to somebody who was going to move it to Jacksonville. So when he buys the team, he saves the team. It's it's really fascinating now with both this team and the Patriots, how long people were trying to move a team to Jacksonville. <laughs> and now that Jacksonville has a team, all they want to do is leave. Yeah, it's terrible. I don't know if they want to leave. They're just bad. Does Khan want to, I guess, oh, he wants to move to London. He wants to move to London, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Great city, which we stand with, Joe. We stand with What, London. Jacksonville? We stand yeah, with Jacksonville, too. We stand with Jacksonville, too, Jacksonville too. Unless they voted for Donald Trump. We'll have to look at the numbers. Anyways, shortly after acquiring the Saints, Benson was a reputation as he was super popular. He was popular. He was colorful. He, after he was hired, he led to their first winning season in a long time in a playoff appearance. But this declined because the Saints became the Aints and were terrible for really long periods of time. And Benson was like, we need a new stadium. We've got to replace the Superdome. And he said he'd move the team if a new stadium wasn't built. And this was all the way back in 2001 when he really started pressuring the state of Louisiana that... He'd need a new stadium, otherwise he's moving the team. And suffice it to say, in the reverse welfare country we live in, Louisiana does not have any extra dollars to spend on a giant stadium for an already rich guy. And to their credit, they didn't. They're like, we can't build you a new stadium. We have a stadium. It's amazing. It's called the Superdome. Play there. In 2005, Hurricane Katrina comes, decimates the city. The Superdome is unplayable. The New Orleans Saints can't play in the Superdome, so they move, and the next year they play games, some of them in San Antonio, some of them at LSU Stadium. They play one home game in at the opponent's stadium. So Benson has like connections to San Antonio. He's talking with the like mayor of San Antonio, and they're like, they're pretty sure that. He wants to move the team to San Antonio, and he's going right. to move the team to San I mean, they're already playing in San Antonio. The Superdome's like unplayable, well, like it's, whatever. It's a huge city that's growing that doesn't have an NFL yeah, team. Yeah. And he wants it. It's like he has connections there. There is a massive, massive public outcry that a, a hurricane destroys a city, and you want to take steal the team away. He is very, pretty very monstrous. unpopular. And then, of course, he comes out in the classic Donald Trumpian response is like, no, no, no. I never wanted to do that. No. Confefe meant I always wanted the team to be in New Orleans. <laughs> I never wanted it to leave. I was, I'm was. i always New Orleans the whole time. And then he commits to New Orleans. They come back. They rebuild the Superdome. He comes back. Obviously, they win the championship. All is well. The team's not going anywhere. Now we uh, shift to the present day. Tom Benson is unfortunately 89 years old and 
has, well, fortunately, he's lived a long, great life, but he is in a dispute about where, who's going to, basically, who is going to own the team in the future is up and in doubt. Basically, the story is his daughter from, I believe, his first marriage. He's been married three times, but because his wives have passed away due to natural causes, like he's just an old guy who's outliving a lot of people. His daughter from his first marriage, Renee Benson, was named the the successor in the trust. But as of recently, I I mean, this was a couple years ago, he said, no, I'm not leaving the team to her, even though I've said I was going to do that for 20 years. I'm leaving the entire thing to my current wife, Gail Benson. Then (laughs) Renee sued him and said, well, you're not like you're not competent at this point and you're just doing this because your current wife is like brainwashing you to give you the team um he's only been married to his current wife for like a few years like he's where married to his his otherwise not that look i'm not gonna get involved in this thing it's just a dispute tom benson is still alive at this point the lawsuit this was a 2015 lawsuit in 2016 eventually after a long thing tom benson was just like all right, Renee, his daughter, who was formerly estranged, might still be estranged, I don't know, you can manage the trust. I don't think managing the trust means she gets the, she like gets the result of the trust. I don't know. I'm not a lawyer. But basically, he settled this thing with his daughter, and I believe it's likely that the daughter will be the beneficiary of it. And he, his, his rationale was like, I'm an old man. I don't want to spend the rest of my short life in court dealing with this. I don't care. Have the team. So it's a weird situation where the team's ownership, you, basically there's no idea what the ownership's going to be in five years. You know? Oh, it, I mean, this is without a doubt going to be a huge dispute after he dies. Right? Absolutely. I mean, like, there's no question about that. And when you're 89... That could happen while while we're recording this, he could die, right? No. So, Joe, well, we're mean, thinking positive. We don't. We're not rooting for that, but I'm just saying it's a possibility every year that there could be a major, that there could be major turmoil in ownership. Um, I'll, I'll just add one more thing about this: that as part of this controversy, the estranged daughter said her one of her complaints against the current wife was under the apparent supervision of Gail, his current wife. The diet of Tom Benson has drastically deteriorated with him rarely consuming nutritious meals, but instead for some reason subsisting on candy, ice cream, sodas, and red wine. That's how she got, that's how the current wife gets to him. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you know, he's 89. He just wants some red wine and an ice cream bar. And but what are you like, going to say? No, eat your greens. Who? No, it's like, fuck you. I'm old. Great. Whoever brings me an ice cream bar Gets the fucking New Orleans <laughs> get, Saints. You get the team. <laughs> you get the Saints. You just bring me what I want. Who's got the nicest bottle of red wine? You get the team. You know, as a side note, it's funny. When you talk about like an owner's daughter, in my mind, I picture someone like roughly my age. But as I think about it, yeah, no, Renee no, Benson no. is probably like 60 years old herself. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> um, I will say it sounds like either way, it will be a female owner, which is very rare. The turmoil is not great. Certainly something to be concerned about. The other thing is that, I mean, it sounds like 
it's possibly just a respite in the fear of New Orleans losing this team, right? I mean, they still don't have a new stadium. I mean, the Superdome's iconic. It's it's it still hosts Ooh. Super Bowls, though totally. again, not well, totally not, not with stable power. But okay, okay. So ten years from now, New Orleans is still not as fast or growing city as a place like San Antonio. Yeah, are they then going to want to build a new? St- I mean, I'm just saying this is. This sounds like a team where it's not totally solid that they're going to be in New Orleans forever. It at least seems riskier than other teams. Benson sort of, he sort of is a monster, right? I mean, had had there not been public outcry, he probably would have taken the team away from post-Katrina New Orleans, which is a pretty fucking monstrous thing to do. Yep. It's not great for him. And I think the turmoil is just an added bonus to that because that's, you know, you could end up with someone pretty terrible coming in and buying the team or whatever. So this is not going to be a great score. This is a three and a half out of 10. Three and a half out of 10. They will say, I think this is the the first non-corporate sponsor stadium we talk about. That's kind of nice. Oh, it's the Mercedes-Benz Superdome. God damn it. I keep waiting for you to say a score where I have a soundbite queued up for, it, but you've dodged them with with unbelievable acuity. But I'm gonna for for oh, three. No. I'm I'm giving this one three, two, one second. Hello. Oh my god, a guy's on the floor. Okay, oh that my was god. my three sound clip. They're <laughs> <laughs> just dodging all my clips. Okay, number nine. Rate the uniform and the logo. So these are New Orleans Saints. They were awarded the franchise on All Saints Day, November 1st, 1966. They, of course, had to name the team contest, as every team back in those days did, by the New Orleans States item. And the nickname, and the Saints nickname was very popular, of course, because they were awarded on All Saints Day, and the name is a nod to when the Saints go marching in. So the team owner, John Meekum, at that time, picked it as a, you know, the Jazz Heritage, all Saints Day, boom. We're the Saints. The jerseys and, you know, the helmet has the iconic, whatever that thing's called. A fleur-de-lis. Yes. So what do you think, Joe? Yeah, I mean, the black and gold is a nice color scheme. I like the fleur-de-lis. I mean, I think it's actually, um, it's a fairly like French, fairly New Orleans logo. So um, I definitely like that about it. I mean, Saints, okay, like on our scale of... Eagles versus Bengal Tigers versus Patriots. So, okay, so I guess a saint is like you would put a saint in the category with Texans, Patriots, like yeah, people, dudes, right? Buccaneers. Okay. Like a saint is kind of the worst one of that. Unless you're like super Catholic and you think that saints <laughs> well, are- no Joe are bestowed with some kind of like magical powers. If saints were real, that would be super cool. Well, no, saints are just people who are given sainthood, right? So like they're people who do good deeds. But in order which, to become a saint, you have have to perform an actual miracle. Like literally, that's in the I'm, I'm in the Catholic bylaws. You cannot be a saint unless you have performed a miracle. Isn't that sort of like fudge now like, "Oh, it was the miracle of love." Yeah, well, it's all fudge. I mean, look, the Cleveland Cavaliers performed a miracle last year when they won the Super Bowl. The fucking Tom Brady performed a miracle. Donald Trump performed a fucking miracle. I mean, it's uh, it's 
it, it's a sliding scale on Miracle. It just has to be something unlikely that you can have any sort of pretend agency on. So you don't like saints. I think this concept of sainthood, they should revise that. They should fix that. It's ridiculous. Take away this miracle. Just be like, you're a nice person. Like, why can't being a nice person in a obviously political organization with this Catholicism, like, why can't doing good deeds be good? Why do you have to fucking perform a miracle? It's ridiculous. What was what was Mother Teresa's sainthood? Like, what was her miracle? What did she do? Right, do you want me to look it up? Yeah, what was her miracle? Ugh, I'm sure it's going to be something horrible. The miracles that made Mother Teresa a saint. Within days of Mother Teresa's death, possible miracles were reported around the globe. As with all such claims, the church launched a comprehensive and meticulous investigation. The importance of these rules was reiterated by the postulator. Some people asked why we need a process at all, given that it would be so much more surprising if a negative decision had been given. In the end, two miracles were approved. The first took place in West Bengal, India, and involved the healing of an Indian woman, Monica Besra, whose abdominal tumor was so severe her doctors had abandoned hope of saving her. Taken into the care of the missionaries of charity, she continued to decline and endured such agony from the tumor that she could no longer sleep. Well, this is fucking lovely. On the one-year anniversary of Mother's passing, the sisters at the home placed a miraculous medal that had, been, that had touched the body of Mother Teresa on Besra's stomach. The suffering woman fell asleep, and when she woke up, her pain was gone. Doctors wow. examined her and found the reason why the tumor had disappeared completely. Wow. So it was after she died... But a metal well, that it touched that her. I mean, count? that's a, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. No, <laughs> how does that count? But even even if okay, this okay. was meticulously investigated. Okay, this? But even, even even if I think for the purposes of the podcast, you would agree we have to accept that that really happened. That's true. If they weren't about the New Orleans Saints and we weren't in this category, I don't accept anything. I'm open right. to it, Joe. For this category, let's accept that that's true. Even if that's true, I think a buccaneer would still win in a fight. You're <laughs> like, my my power is after I die, any metal that touches me, any metal, you name it, copper, silver, whatever. If it touches me, it can take away stomach tumors. And then a buccaneer is like, yeah, but I have this sword. <laughs> like, like yeah. I, I'm going to bet on the buccaneer in that. In that scenario, and pretty I think much the anything else, could cut out the stomach tumor with the same rate that Mother Teresa's posthumous body healed it. Look, no offense to yeah. Mother Teresa, but we're also not defending Mother Teresa on this podcast. Nor, nor are we bashing Mother Teresa. Yeah, I mean, I think we're. I'm not going to do any. I'm not going to do anything. Everybody, research Mother Teresa on your own. She is a saint. She was sainted after rigorous investigation. Anyways, I don't know how we got into that show. I'm not even reading. I closed it before I could read the second miracle, but she did have one second confirmed miracle. But the fact that her first miracle happened after she died. Yeah. Yeah. I think the uniform is pretty nice. I like the color. I like the simple helmet. Um, I think a saint is sort of sort of a lame mascot. Um, this is a uh, four out of ten. How are you? You're dodging every number I need you to say. You're ridiculous. 
<laughs> this is a this is a miracle that I have three numbers prepared and you've dodged all of them. All I'm right. a saint. <laughs> yeah. Your miracle is confirmed. Number 10. Do they play a style of play you'd enjoy watching? As said before, unbelievable offense. Last year, most completions per game. Most passing yards per game. They had 20 more passing yards per game than even the Falcons, who had a legendary offense. Of course, the Falcons' legendary offense had more total yards per game. But through the air, the Saints, second to none. Offense overall was great. In DVOA, they had the sixth best offense. Obviously, they're more of a passing team. They're a team, if you like seeing the ball aired out, there's no team you'd rather watch than the Saints. However, the defense is terrible. They had the second-to-last scoring defense. They gave up over 28 points a game. In DVOA, they had the 30th best defense. If you look at the fantasy numbers, their defense had a negative score for five out of the 16 games. And for three out of the 16 games, their score was zero. So they were at zero or negative for over half of the games. They were bad. You know, it's a team. It's great on offense, especially passing offense. And just absolutely dreadful on defense. And obviously, you've seen Drew Brees play. You've seen the Saints play. What do you What do you think about that style of play? What do we give to the Washington Football Club in this category? The Washington Football Club got a six and a half. Not to belabor it, it just seems like it's the same. It's the same problem. Fun offense to watch. Really frustrating defense. Six and a half again. Do yeah. you drop for I that? Mean, it's almost the same thing. I don't. I mean, next time, I'm not only going to have to do, you've given one, two, three, four, five, six, you've given six half points. I mean, I'm not prepared for these half points. But yeah, I mean, the Washington Football Club was eight, seven, and one. The Saints were seven and nine. I mean, same team, same results, like slightly different divisions, but that's what you get when you have a team like that. Right, right. Okay, number 11. What is interesting about this fan base? Joe, I did no research about this whatsoever. I've been to New Orleans. I know the Saints. I mean, my research is what you've read about the the people. They used to be the Saints. They they used to put bags over their heads. But, you know, that was in the past. You know, in the span of 1993 to 2005, they made the playoffs exactly one time. So, I mean, this this was a team that was bad for, for a very long time. But, you know, in the Sean Payton era, they have won at least seven games anytime. It's not a team you put your bag over your head, you know? We've said all the stuff about New Orleans, but the team moving, being in New Orleans, there is a very clear fan culture. I mean, people in New Orleans fucking love the Saints. You see that in the jazz that's played. You see that in the ball caps everybody's wearing and the jerseys people are wearing. So this is not a, a fan base that doesn't care about the team. I think there's a fan base that loves their team a lot. I was looking up the um, the Who Dat chant, sort of versus the Who Day who, chant. Who Day, yeah. And so according to ESPN, when answering the question, are the Saints copying the Bengals? The Bengals Who Day chant originated in 1980, and the Saints Who Dat chant originated in 1983. So it does seem like there's a little bit of evidence that Houdat was actually cribbing from uh, from the uh, Bengals. So that's a little bit interesting. Also, like why we need two grammatically incorrect who 
whomever statements is uh, is is a little beyond me. But yeah, look, I mean, I mean, I think the Saints are definitely a football town. I think there is sort of a nice. There's a nice history to that same Super Bowl victory and and the way that it was like symbolic of the city and a turning point. You had like Katrina and the oil spill, and it's like holy shit that Super Bowl victory was like a nice thing. So I do think that that is certainly a unique factor about the fan base, though like maybe a little bit on the lower end for not having anything that's like super distinctive about them. I mean, even their chant seems like it might be stolen. So um, let's say five out of 10. Five out of 10, you say, Joe? Five days, but I'm mad now. I'd kill you if I had my gun. Yeah, well, you don't. <laughs> I knew you must have something for five. I, I had something that was for a five. softball. Like, now that was now a softball you're just playing you. into it, Joe. That's, <laughs> our super fans are, are each conflicted at that. I don't know. It feels like you were describing something to be a higher score than that. But I'd be remiss, before we get into 12, in the lieu of extending this podcast, I'd be remiss if I did not talk about New Orleans in the Civil War, which was a major city. New Orleans had the highest population of any city in the Confederacy. New Orleans had the most economic might. All the vast majority of the slave trade happened in New Orleans. New Orleans had the highest population. It had the most you know, money being exchanged through New Orleans. New Orleans was like the gateway between the regular South and the deep South. And New Orleans was the major port city on the Mississippi River, getting out into the places. You know, the South produced a bunch of cotton. They shipped this down the Mississippi River, and they took this to Europe. And this was actually part of their strategy, which was if the Union cut off the cotton, the rest of the world would come in and defend the South because the Southern cotton was so valuable and so needed that everybody in the world would stand up for the South. So the Union took New Orleans to sort of bleed the economic might of the Confederacy, and it was a very important turning point in the war because once the Union captured New Orleans, all of the exports of cotton did go away. The, they couldn't you know, ship down the river anymore, and the rest of the world did not come to the Confederacy's defense. They thought about it. They thought about it, but it wasn't worth it. And so the Union eventually won, and now... They're part of the NFL and not part of the Confederate and FL. Oh man, the Confederate FL. I mean, <laughs> that would have been an even more meaningful Super Bowl between the the Atlanta Falcons and the New England Patriots. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> it would have been. It I, guess been I, I guess I should be happy that the <laughs> that the Patriots won. <laughs> yeah, you, yeah, exactly. You'd be rooting for the UFL. Oh um, no. <laughs> uh, no, look, I mean, clearly New Orleans is a 10 out of 10 in Civil War importance. It's uh, I mean, hugely it's, it's important. Bad. It's too bad it's not an official category, but uh, they score quite highly in there. So these so these hurricanes, Dan. So number 12 and our final category, the New Orleans Saints, our shortest podcast to date. <laughs> oh, my God. Rate the drink. Joe, Jay, the super fan said we could have a hurricane or a hand grenade, and he gave them a 6 out of 10. He said they're great, a little too sugary for him. He gives 
In Jay's scale, he gives bourbon a 10 out of 10. Oh, Joe, in your scale, you give bourbon a 10 out of 10. So you and Jay are aligned here. Now, Jay gives this drink a hurricane, which we're drinking a 6 out of 10. It's a little sugary for him, though, of course, I, I think each of us mixed it a little less sugary than you'd get in New Orleans. Yeah, I mean, mine is still pretty sugary. It's just a little bit more boozy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no. So it's definitely too sweet a drink. Like if I were out drinking this, walking around Bourbon Street, maybe it's a different story. You feel, but like sitting here podcasting, it's it's a little bit it's a little bit gross, honestly. Um, but one thing that I do think is kind of I was thinking about this as I made the drink. It's sort of funny that we feel like. Okay, so you we were talking about how the bullets changed their name because bullets were killing all these people yeah. in D.C. It's funny that we still feel okay naming teams and drinks and things like that after natural disasters that are actually killing and devastating cities. Yet you're like, is it weird that a hurricane devastates New Orleans and then you can go and order a hurricane? This might be stupid, but I'm just going to lay it on you. Terrorism kills so few people a year, but people are terrified of it. Terrified. Our president is terrified of it because I think there's something about either something that people are afraid of or some unpredictability of it. I think the things with hurricanes is they're big and they're bad and they're devastating, they're horrible, but they're predictable and it happens over time. So I think like if somebody dies in a hurricane, they're like, oh, well, I should have listened to those warnings from the people. I should have left two days ago or whatever. Like, I tried to I tried to live out the hurricane. I perished. Though, so Dan, what about earthquakes, though? San Jose earthquakes are a team, and earthquakes are very unpredictable. Somebody who lives in California, you know, where the buildings are made to be earthquake resistant. And I, I don't think an earthquake has, has killed a severe amount of people. I mean, have any of the last earthquakes killed anybody? Like, and again, compare this to the number of people who die every day in car accidents. You, you make a very clear point, and I don't disagree with the point. I think hurricanes have probably killed as many people as, as terrorism has in the past 10 years. And there could be no team if they were the New Orleans terrorists. <laughs> right. Nobody right. would support that team name. Yeah, no. I mean, there's something about the man-made nature of it, like... Or nature of these other things that make it unacceptable. That somehow something that isn't man-made completely. That you could argue about increase in hurricane severity because of, uh, you know, global warming caused by people. But but whatever. Okay. So there's something about things that are man-made seem to somehow be more offensive, right? Like you couldn't call a team the New Orleans oil spills. Like that would seem really yeah. like terrible. But you imagine if if New Orleans got a baseball team and they said we're going to be the Hurricanes, people would be like, "All right, that makes sense." Yeah, be the great. Hurricanes, right? Like, there's something about the natural phenomenon, as devastating as they are, that are just okay to name drinks and teams after. Well, we've definitely talked more about this drink ranking than we should have. It's too sweet, and I I am offended by the name. <laughs> I'm not it's really like- offended by the name, but uh, four out of ten. Four out of ten. All right, Joe, we tally all of that up, and that puts the New Orleans Saints 
at a 68. So, who are our comparables? We've got the Cardinals at 69.5 that started as a maybe that then got turned into a no. We've got the Texans at 69, which are a maybe. And we've got our two intro teams, our two beginner teams, the Chargers and the Broncos at 62 that are maybes. So now when we go into the no's, we've got the Washington Football Club at 66.5, which is a no. And the Buccaneers. Oh, I didn't even know we did the Buccaneers too. (laughs) They're in the division. You gave them a no. So Buccaneers 65, no. Football Club, Washington Football Club 66.5, no. Texans 69, yes. Cardinals 69.5, no. And we've got the New Orleans Saints at 68. So Saints are right on the edge here. They're right on right, the edge. Right, right in the borderline. Right in the right border in the zone. Borderline. Right, you know, once again, feeling torn. Jeff on one side, Jay on the other. Brother, brother you're, against brother. You're going to uh, lose one of them. Look, they're right there on the edge. I said there'd be bonus points. We don't have to give the points. We can just say 68 plus the theme song is going to be good enough. And plus the fact that I could have picked bourbon and that would have been an automatic 10, which would have put them clearly in the maybe zone. You gave the hurricane even less than Jay did. Yeah. Jay gave it a six. You gave it a four at 70. I think it's a clear. Maybe it's offensive. It's offensive. (laughs) I'm from now on, I'm going to refer to likes likes the sugary drinks. From now on, I'm going to refer to Hurricanes as a New Orleans sugary drink, uh, just to be neutral about. It. Okay, clearly they're going to get some points that could have been added to them for the drink. Should have been added for Jeff's excellent. Should have been added for Jeff's excellent work. They're moving on. Saints are moving on. All right. Totally worth it. Over wasn't that mean. Uh, th- playoffs? Don't talk about it. playoffs. <laughs> you kidding me? Playoffs? All right. You're not kidding. You're not kidding, Joe. They are moving on to the Sweet 16. Now, Joe, we don't have to pick a new team. We already know what our next team's going to be, the Minnesota Vikings. If any of you want to have feedback about this episode, about the Minnesota Vikings please send your feedback to nfl at joepixpod.com. And if you're a super VIP fan, you know where to go. Joe, our last order of business. What's the poll question for next week? This is what I want to know about now that we've talked about all three of them so far. What do our super fans think was worse? Deflate gate, spy gate, or bounty gate? Wow. Deflate gate, spy gate, or bounty gate. All right, Are there Joe. any other gates I'm missing? I mean, we could put the Russia stuff on there, but I think that that you know, seems <laughs> That's a little off topic. That's going to absorb all the oxygen in the room. <laughs> no, are there other football gates I'm missing? I mean, there was like the sex boat thing, but that's not really a gate. I don't know. I mean, I, I have, there's nothing offhand. I mean, bounty right. gate, a coach was suspended for an entire year. Spy gate, a team was like the coach was fined half a million dollars and the team lost a pick. And deflate gate... Tom Brady was suspended for four games. These are 
you know, it's pretty pretty big. I, I'm not sure I can think of situations where anything worse happened. What do our fans think was the worst offense? I love it, Joe. Great poll question, as always. And uh, that's it. So Saints moving on. The Saints will be marching in to the Sweet 16. And with the seating, very well might be up against the Falcons. No, so everybody might get their wish. That was what Jay said. <laughs> now you make everybody happy. Jay said he would let them through as long as they could be crushed by the Falcons. Although, oh my God, if the Saints beat the Falcons. Joe, don't, don't do that to Jay. Don't do it. I found the sweet spot for both Jay and Jeff. All right, <laughs> we'll get there. All right, thanks, Dan. Vikings right. next week. All right. Let's listen to it. Run it through again. Let's do it. Yeah. I'm not even going to do the... I'm not even going to like add it in as a closer. This is just going to be a... So this is our outro now with us talking over it? No, no, but it is now. Normally I'll make it clean so people can enjoy the I think, I think our outro should be us talking over the song every time. Just... So we can be talking over the regular one or the instrumental. The people on the podcast don't even know there's just an instrumental version. No. I'm going to let him hear it. Beautiful. Beautiful. No, this is just the instrumental version now. Oh, wow. <laughs> How many of the lyrics do you know? It wasn't that mean Something, something I'd fix a team Isn't he handsome And he likes to Does all the work Each and every single year Is a fan of the mob It's so good Joe picks an NFL team Wow I don't See know how to get Joe. that on Spotify, but we have to do it. All right. Bye, yeah, Dan. It's done. <laughs> <laughs>